a study and analysis of a site isn't one much talked about to clients, and I doubt you even care about the dirty nature of site study. This is mostly where the design starts from the site. And this study helps us to understand the nature and context of the land and to evaluate the possibilities of what really can be achieved or even what can't be achieved. It is here that we begin to create something in our heads before we put to paper. It's being said that when you take a look at a site, a building concept should begin to formulate. If this doesn't happen, then there isn't much to do. So let's look at how architects study and analyze the site to be able to formulate those building concepts you need. This is the paradigm shift to bring a change to the thinking of architecture. I am Zimu. This is Architectural Revolution. An architectural site analysis will look at issues such as site location, size of the site, topography of the site, the zone of the place, the traffic conditions and the climate. The analysis also considers any future developments that might occur or changes to the surroundings of the site, which can include um, the change of any change of road destinations, the any change of cultural patterns, or if there are any significant building developments happening within the area. A contextual analysis is also performed and it looks at the existing conditions of a project site, along with any potential future conditions that surely can happen. And the purpose is really to inform us about a site before we can start the design process. So that the initial design thinks about a site and then we can incorporate everything that is being considered and that will also respond to the external conditions. It's at this point that we can use a SWOT analysis to analyze the site. And for those of you unfamiliar with this term, is where we look at the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the site for proper assessment. And so that's what we that's why we have SWOT. So understanding the context of a site is really key to enable a designer to weave the new design in with the existing fabric of the site. It allows the designer to understand the existing opportunities or problems in the site and also make informed decisions on how we can then respond to everything that we found. The response could be that the design building reflects the surrounding context or even eliminates any unwanted site conditions if what exactly we found is not going to help in the in the design and then we can just get rid of it and start afresh. So in collecting data for the site analysis, two categories of data are looked at. That's hard data and soft data. The soft data will look at the site conditions that can be changed and the hard data looks at more concrete elements, such as the boundaries of the site, 
the locations of utilities that is water electricity the sewer system if there is any sewer system in ghana there's no sewer system so every if it's a residential facility or even a commercial we always have to create one on the site and treat it as well and there are also site features any size features climate conditions of the place and many more so site investigations are able to establish which elements we consider to that will have a negative impact on the site or even the proposed design and then which conditions would have a more positive influence on the proposed design so the general categories of design that are looked at for an architectural site analysis are location the context of the neighborhood zoning and size legal any legal information regarding the site and natural fiscal features man-made features circulation that is pedestrian or vehicular movements utilities that would be water electricity and any other electricity any other utility the climate and many other stuff so there is no hard and fast process when analyzing a site maybe except for a lazy one but a checklist on things um, helps architects to perform a site analysis and should be able to help you know what architects look out for when they are performing that the site study and later on analyzing what exactly they found on the site so let's start with sites the site and surroundings and then we'll move on from there looking at the checklist that architects normally use to perform the site study so starting with site and surroundings where they look at location the site location details that is road names addresses it's very important when it comes to construction documents because we have to place those things down then the current context which is existing buildings any available car parking around roads i say car parking because if you're doing a commercial building and there is a public car park there is no public there's hardly any public car parking in ghana but if there was that would help in not needing to create a car park for your commercial building on your site and then we look at the roads are the how the roads leading to the site are they good roads all those things you have to look at the site and the surroundings and take note of them then move on to the neighborhood context where architects will look at the existing and proposed building uses within the neighborhood any exterior spaces and what they are used for the vehicle movement patterns the existing vehicle movement patterns any available street lighting the vernacular context which looks at the materials architectural features fenestration that is windows uh, curtain walls doors no no sorry windows uh, yeah windows for fenestrations then landscaping parking building heights are there any nearby historical buildings then also the sun and shade patterns during the year the building context of the neighborhood what style do they use the period and are the buildings in disrepair or are they really in good condition the services and also the services and materials around the site 
Then we have site and zoning, where we look at the site boundary and the dimensions, any rights of way through the sites, and then the buildable area of the site. So in this place, we can look at the zoning, and some zoning dictates 50% of the site should be buildable, some dictate 35. Mostly that's that's the old zoning code, but if you look at the new ones, and if you also speak to the district assemblies or the councils, you might be able to get be able to build about fifty percent. Um, sorry, sixty-five percent or seventy-five percent of the of the site can be used as a buildable area. And then any building height restrictions, you know, around the access to the sites can it be accessed by car, bus, bicycle, or pedestrian walkways. Access to the sites for construction. It's also important, not only for the, the end users of the space, but during construction as well. Are there any obstacles or you know restrictions that can affect the construction process? If there's a roadblock, that means we cannot bring in um, a truck full of cement. We can't bring a truck full of well, masonry blocks or even concrete that will be poured to create the floor slabs or the columns and beams and all those things. Then we have the natural features, where we look at the topography of the site, the valleys, ridges, any slopes, and anything that you know makes the site undulating. Maybe the topography is that the site is flat, and any any designer, any architect would be very happy for uh, nearly flat slide, nearly flat sites, because it just makes it easy to design and you know, create foundations and all these things. Then we have the vegetation where are there any existing landscaping, greenery, shrubs, or even trees? Then the site levels. Let's take notice of the site levels in relation to, so how many meters above sea level or below sea level, right? And then the soil types on the sites. That's also part of the natural feature, the soil type. That determines what kind of foundation that can be used. And there are, there are four types of foundation to counter the, any type of soil on the site. That would, um, you know, help to hold up the building. Then there are natural man-made features. Looking at the man-made features, um, we look at what was the previous use of the site are there any existing buildings on the site and then how how are they looking are they in disrepair or they're in, in good conditions are the existing buildings going to be part of the project have to ask yourself that and then also any any walls are, are any walls on the site retaining walls on the site or any other built items and then we look at circulation as part of the site study we look at how the traffic that is near the site flow around it or within it and the accessibility of it. Any Are there any provisions for disabled access to the site and how would they also be considered? And, you know, does the existing pedestrian movement need to be preserved or is there even any pedestrian movement mo um, uh, pedestrian movement designed around the site or is there any existing pedestrian movement around the site 
also public transport close to the site you have to consider that especially for certain buildings it will be good if there are public transports close so that the users of the space um how you design for them and make it easier when they're accessing um the the site and then locations for best access to the site for both vehicles and pedestrians after looking at it separate um them separately we also have to look at it look at those users together so that there's no clash when designing circulation on the site then move on to utilities and in the utilities we have to locate all these services electricity water sewer system telephone um in other countries they they have a gas utility system we don't have it here so that is mostly not in our minds when designing and it's so the utilities can be both underground and above ground so we have to look for them and take notice of which one it is and now if you have a site that has no has no access to any of these utilities then you know that you'll have to find a way to connect those utilities from the grid onto the site but if not then maybe you design a building that is off, off the grid and that also helps that creates a very sustainable building reduces um the maintenance monetary maintenance of the building for a long time and money because money is then not spent on utility every month so then we also locate power poles drainage and any substations around substations in the case of electricity so that that will help if there's no um so there's no service provided for the site that we know that we can easily connect from the nearest substation and have that access to it then century where we look at the views what are the where are the best views to and from the site what are the views of if you're on the site and you have a view and the view is really not that good then it would not be a it will not be good in the design to create a picture frame of it to something that is really not pleasant then we also consider noise out noise pollution and odor we look at where the noisy areas are coming from around the sites and are there any buildings that will provide high levels of pollution you know and this can mostly be considered around the industrial zones, right? There the can be a lot of very noise pollution and also um, the different different kinds of pollution, and water pollution and all those things. Then we have we consider the human and cultural aspects of the site. Any negative neighborhood issues such as vandalism and crime, the attitudes towards the site and the potential build. Now, attitudes towards the site <laughs> reminds me of land guards and the, the whole problem in the, the the land guard problem in this country and then what are the general neighborhood attitudes about the area i guess 
sometimes we will not even consider these things but it's good to have that in mind the population density family size any recreation activities around employment availability then the ethnic patterns that helps to determine how we design the building for the site and then the last one we look at for the site is the climate climate and weather and under it we look at the rotation of the site is it facing north is it facing east or maybe it's facing southeast what's how is the site oriented and we look at that using the longest axis of the site to determine the orientation of the site and then the weather how does the weather affect the site some of this information we might not be able to get every day on site maybe like going there every day and then recording those patterns some we can get from the meteorological agency that's if they'll provide but now we have the right information act so i guess they do have to provide those information and how does the temperature rainfall you know how do they vary throughout the year as i said we can't do that we can't go to site and do that every day but we can get that information from those who have been recording it for years where are the prevailing wind directions throughout the year that's also considered to be able to get air into the building fresh air in and then take out the the bad air yeah so we also look at also look at the sun path throughout the different times of the year and the and i don't know how we can do this or if there's any agency that does this but we access can also be there every day to do that so i guess at different times and different days maybe about three to four times they can be able to determine how the sun the sun path on the site so that's it this is what it takes to study a site and analyze it the site study and analysis is always done you know before the design work begins meaning during the pre-design phase beginning a design before performing a site analysis or at the very least not taking a look at the site can really be can lead to a disastrous design in my opinion and a design that is not based on facts and external conditions can affect a building at any point in time the site is nature and without that there's no harmony in a building without an analysis ludwig mies van der Rohe says we should attempt to bring nature houses and human beings together in a higher unit and i believe the site study and, and analysis is where we try and do that so i guess what i'm saying is that you should do your best to give time to your architects to perform the necessary studies and analysis to be able to create a great project for you and that's all for now if you enjoyed today's chapter please subscribe to the podcast share to others and leave a review so many other people can discover it as well until next time, do take it.